You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. Welcome to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. My name is Frank, and I am glad that you are here. I am here with my friends up in Baltimore, Maryland. We got Jeffrey Simpson. Good day from balmy, top of the AL East, Baltimore. Yeah. I just like to trigger Andrew. Look at him. (laughs) (laughs) Down in Sumter, South Carolina. Dell, I saw the new Spider-Man, not the Spider-Man, the new Ninja Turtles movie. It's excellent. Delmar Pete. Yes, straight from the Jump Palace with every kid (laughs) in the Tri-County area. Nice. And alone in the morning after ministry studios, centered in the camera, we have Andrew Larson. Someone someone has to be dedicated to this thing, you know? It's not going to be Timmy, so might as well be me. Yeah, Tim Andrew, we off. can, we can right. agree on one thing. It is great to be up double digits on oh both God. the Red Sox and the Yankees. We can yeah. agree on that. But we can also agree that the Rays may have just had their worst day ever, and that's saying Maybe. something. So we won't get into that. This is a family show. But uh, yikes. I wonder what happened. Well, well um, Tim couldn't join us because he wants to be a good father and celebrate his daughter's, daughter's birthday. Big really, deal. it sounds his more kids, like a boundaries issue. His kids are going to have a complex. He prioritizes them over me way too much, and uh, I take umbrage with it. My question is, why is he letting elders' meetings go so late? That's really the question. Have some leadership, Tim. All right. Well, we got uh, two uh, things go. Two, two questions today. Uh, I'm excited because all these questions come from the Facebook group. I'm excited to hear your your answer to this. Here's the first question. I was just voted in as the next pastor of our church. Speaking of elder meetings, this is the first one's about elder meetings. I attended my first elder meeting. Let me move this so I can see. It. Oh, you're listening. Welcome. <laughs> Uh, I attended my first elder meeting where one of the elders brought brought to the elder board the motion to end live streaming. After about 45 minutes of discussion, we got to the root of why the elder wanted to end live streaming. He is nervous about speaking in front of cameras. My question is, as a new pastor and considerably younger than the elder, how would you go about talking to him about this fear? I believe we left the conversation in a manner that is still unresolved. But I want to work with him and find a solution that works best for everyone without ending a great source of outreach in our community. How would you help and advise this pastor struggling with an elder who wants to end their entire church's end stream because he gets a little squeamish in front of a camera? What would you say? You know that everyone in the room can see you too, right? That's the first thing I'd say. <laughs> you no, know that I... this, is, this is the elder who stands up to make announcements and points to the microphone and says, do I really need this? Mm-hmm. You know that this is that guy. He is. It maybe taps on it. Nothing makes me more upset. Then he holds it down by his belly button when he actually yeah. holds it. Yeah. Or holds it out away from his face at like a 90-degree angle away from his face. No. Well, first of all, here's one, one presupposition I want to push on. Uh, the last... Uh, sentence in this question ends with, I want to work with him to find a solution that works best for everyone without ending a great source of outreach in our community. My question is, is it really a great source of outreach in our community, in your community, or are you just assuming that? Because if you're a small church like I am, it's not a great source of outreach in the community. We have a live stream. Also, because he just got there. Like, like, does he really know it's a great source? Do you know that, or are you just assuming that and creating a... An, an entire argument based on an assumption. So I'd ask that question first. But 
I don't think that really uh, – the answer to that question doesn't change the fact that this guy is afraid of speaking in front of cameras. So you can still have a conversation with him about fear. Um, but as far as the unfortunate church politics of this, here's a couple other questions that this this situation makes me think of. Uh, number one, did he bring this motion to the table without it being on the agenda? Because that's a sign of uh, a, an, another leadership issue going on. Secondly, you said you were voted in as the next pastor. I have questions about why you needed to be voted in. Maybe that's your structure. Cool. Um, but I just want to know why is an elder, is he bringing this up to the board without any notice or is, was this on the agenda? If it was on the agenda, that means the other elders knew it was coming. If it wasn't, it means he's sneaking kind of a really minor issue into an elder meeting and taking up 45 minutes of discussion, which is a really long time. Um, and also the fact that he needed 45 minutes of discussion to be honest about the reality of why he wanted to do this is another issue that I would want to explore with him because it, it seems like from the way it's described, he wasn't honest about why he wanted to end the live stream. He didn't – if he would have said, I want to end the live stream because I don't like talking in front of cameras, I mean the obvious solution is just don't schedule him to talk in front of cameras. But if – it took 45 minutes to get there. I'm wondering why. Um, so, yeah, I, I would definitely, you know, tread lightly, be careful, build relationship first. I honestly wouldn't confront him about this. It's not a really a sin issue. Um, it's just a fear issue. So maybe go out to lunch with him a number of times before this becomes a topic of conversation. But like I said, I my bigger questions are like questions underneath this this whole scenario. I think I would we add to that. About Go for it, Del. I think I would add to that. Um, when it comes to him being an elder, like you said, you're new in the church. How? What kind of influence does this guy have? You know, in the sense of like, is he really down with the people? Does he know? Does he have a lot of respect? Because you lean in on him hard, and he leverages influence. You got a honeymoon disaster right here. But at the same time, I kind of agree with what some of you fellows were saying. How much of an outreach is it? I do know we have people who come to our church. They watch our sermons first. That's fair. Now, we record ours on Sunday, and we stream them out on Tuesday so people can't use it as a church replacement, and we still get the added benefit of having our stuff out there. But I do think you survey that. Look at your numbers. And then also, you know, I wouldn't even put as much in a live stream as I would in your traditional Sunday school class because in that way people are at least at church. You know, so I I think choose the hill you're going to die on, you know, and honestly, man, Jeff was nailing it. He said everything goes back to having a conversation with this guy because really, you know, regardless of why it took him 45 minutes or anything, he finally got to a place where he was a little vulnerable. And if it did take 45 minutes, that was probably a little tough for him to finally admit anyways, especially would you know, some guys who are on the elders, you know, they're, they're tough guys, you know, so like the fact he was vulnerable, I would at least lean into that and show some appreciation with that, especially if you're going to come back with, you know, some of those more tough questions, which do need to be asked. I would at least offer him a thanks for being vulnerable, but then, you know, hear his side of the story as a whole. And, and like you said, just see if it's a hill worth dying on. I know in our church, it's, it's not other. Um, and you know, you said in smaller churches, it's not an outreach, but I can, you can also make a case that in, in bigger churches, it, it does damage, right? Cause it keeps people from actually being in 
fellowship with others. Granted, we have Granny who has to stay home. We don't want to make big swapping things based on little nuanced things. So I, I think that the live stream thing as a whole is something that a lot of churches, you know, it's 2023, we probably should at least revisit and just look at it again. So if anything, it's causing a good conversation to happen at your church. So you have an opportunity to really lead from the start. I mean, how cool is that? If you manage this and you manage it well, you're going to buy credibility. You're going to buy, you know, relationship cred and gain a lot of chips in your very front end of the ministry. So I would look at this as an opportunity to really, hey, they're asking you to lead from the start. Yeah, I, I was kind of saying, I meant to say like my church, in my church, the live stream is kind of a net neutral when it comes to outreach. It's not a negative. We, I mean, we have it, we do it, we, you know, we stream on Sunday. And like you said, Dell, there's a lot of shut-ins that actually watch it or members who are out of town. So I'm cool with that. I was just trying to say, I'm asking the question because the person said it's a great source of outreach. And my question is, is it really like that big of a source of outreach or are you just assuming that? And really the live stream is just kind of a neutral thing. So that's that's just what I meant by that. We average about 12 to 15 percent of our total congregation uh, during the the live stream. The way that we measure is it is the – you know we, we use Restream to do YouTube and Facebook at the same time. And we count live simultaneous viewers as you know our online number because otherwise, if you look at three or four in the afternoon, you know a couple of you know I know Tim has always checked to make sure that my fly was up or whatever uh, to find something to make fun of me for on the live stream. And once you're beyond the actual live component of the live stream, the views that you get might be the praise band going back to see how things sounded or or whatever it may be. So we count live simultaneous views and. Probably for about the past year, we have been, you know, we, we are, I think we were 92 people in person on Sunday and we had 12 people online. And that's, that's fairly normal for us right about now. So I wouldn't say it's a huge outreach. And it also depends on the video quality and, you know, who you have running things. And if you have one, you know, just uh, static camera shot. Then, then who knows how engaging that is. But at the same time, 90% of the people that are visiting the church say that they've checked us out online first. So I think it's worth doing for that. And then we're in Florida, so we have lots of people that are shut-ins for seasons or for the, for the foreseeable future. Um, if this is an elder saying this and it's your first elders meeting as the new pastor, I am reading my situations that I've been in into it. Chances are uh, this church did not go from having one senior pastor one week to having a new senior pastor the next week. There have been three, six, eight, 18 months of the elders taking on additional responsibility mm. because there was no senior leader uh, there on Sunday mornings. And so this elder has probably had to do things out of his comfort zone, whether that be making announcements, whether that be preaching occasionally, whatever it may be, that we could all say, well, yeah, as an elder, you should be able to do this, and if you can't do this, well, then – you need to find another place to serve. But when there is no pastor, there's extra weight on the elders. So he has been out of his comfort zone and doing something that he hasn't enjoyed doing for quite some time. I would say, do you know what? I get it. I completely understand. We're going to have you lead out on this issue. We're going to have you lead on that issue. And maybe you just won't be in front of the camera for the next couple of months. And if you're upset that you're not going to be behind the pulpit or you know, you're not going to have the microphone at the front of the room, then – Maybe we don't tell you that there's a camera there, or maybe as a church you improve your your live stream setup and you spend a couple hundred bucks on a camera 
that can be mounted to the back of the room instead of one that's got a big flashing red light that is intimidating. There's lots of ways to to do this, and camera technology has gotten so good and so inexpensive the past couple of years that I think scrapping it for one person's comfort doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I also think you need to acknowledge that this person has been going out of their comfort zone for the good of the church, and now they kind of just want to be heard. I think Frank, you might remember this. Just a lot, just a principle that popped into my head. Well, a couple things, but um, you might remember from some of our classes, Frank at Trinity, that um, we talked a lot, and this was in the space of corporate worship with Dr. Shores, a lot about what he called the tyranny of the weaker brother, where you have somebody like this that ends up. Um, causing changes to entire ministries because of a basically a dysfunction. And there's a pastor in my denomination here in my district that I work with who says, um, we don't give resources to dysfunction. So in this case, the resources would be uh, all this time and energy in an elder meeting talking about is something that's essentially a little bit of a dysfunction for him. And the fact that this guy is wanting to change the entire way a ministry is done based on his essentially preferences is would be something where you're going to end up changing resources for one person's dysfunction. It's not something you want to do. I, I would strongly caution you against just giving in and going with this because you're setting a really terrible precedent in your first elder meeting. If, if an elder knows all he has to do is say he's afraid to do something and you're going to change what I'm assuming has been a ministry at your church for a while, that's not a good, not a good precedent that you want to set. So I would be gentle but um, you can be you can be gentle and not and not bend at the same time. And frankly, I mean, you know, I'm sorry it's your first elder meeting, but this is kind of the thing. This is what you signed up for. Uh, this is the difficulty of leadership. I I do wonder. Um, you know, when we talk about outreach, I, I agree with the sentiment that like I don't know if this is a good outreach. You know, you got Andrew. You said this like 90 percent of all your people who are new to the church checked you guys out online or whatever. And that's a sentiment I've heard. But when I hear that, I don't necessarily think that like there are people who are going to you know log in on Facebook or YouTube or whatever, watch your service on a Sunday, a couple weeks in a row and then start attending. What I hear when I hear that is they go to your church website, look for your last few sermons, maybe watch those videos or you guys go to Facebook and you watch like, like past streams. But I don't think it's like, like, I, I don't know. I, I sometimes wonder if, like, a lot of churches, before live streaming because of COVID happened, they were recording their sermons and they were putting it on their church website like we do with podcasts. And I think that is – that's probably more of an – that's probably more of a um, uh, of a visitor or a new person's guide to your church than, than anything else. I guess you could possibly say that, like, new people are going through your Facebook feed and looking at past streams or YouTube or whatever – um, but I don't know. I, I see that more of like, like a, a website thing where it's like people can, can see that and, and get a better idea of what's happening there. I, I do think there's actually better arguments for streaming. Like what you guys said about the shut-ins, about the people who are traveling, like those are probably better arguments. And obviously again, I think sometimes people use the word outreach to mean like 40 different things that I don't necessarily think about what outreach means. So this could be like a nomenclature thing for the church. I, yeah, I, one, I don't think was, this is an evangelism strategy. This no, is yeah, not, you know, a neighborhood barbecue or a vacation Bible school. This is, if by outreach you mean find people marketing. who are already Christians who know this kind of music and uh, might want to come and tithe to our church, then sure, this is outreach. 
but it's not outreach evangelism. Is, outreach is like a, a synonym for marketing. For the, it's like a, it's like a less business business term for yeah. marketing in the church. And this is not a diss to the guy. I'm like I, I like I feel like I've been trying to fight with that nomenclature in my own church. Where if we're gonna do marketing for our church, let's call it marketing and not call it outreach, because outreach I think has a little bit. To me, it has a bit more of a. In, you know, evangelistic uh, points behind it. I do wonder, like, what is the thing that the elder has to do? And maybe this is me yeah. coming from a larger church that we just now recently have been involving elders into the Sunday morning on stage activities more than before. And so this could be my ignorance, but like, um, even in the previous churches that I was at, elders weren't officiating the communion table they, they maybe the most the elders were like passing the offering buckets and so that, like that I, just goes to what i was saying before that frank why have you just now recently been having elders serving in unfront in upfront roles as a church because you didn't that, have a senior exactly, pastor exactly, exactly and so it's now like, that there's a senior pastor in place i i doubt that this elder is going to be in that role as often as he had been but i look at tim's church and like, doesn't Tim have elders do the announcements every week as a way to like serve? You know, yeah. There, there, there could be an aspect of that. It could but be only like a, a couple leg- of them. There are some people that he's like, yeah, you don't need a microphone in front of people. <laughs> that is not sure. your gift. You can lead a small group. You can, you know, prepare the budget, but you're not the uh, happy rah rah warm up guy that we want kicking off our service. And there's also some like. Even more traditional churches where, like, when they say that requirement of an elder is to be able to teach, like, that means that every elder has to be looped into the teaching some, at some point. So, like, I don't, we don't know necessarily the, the ecclesiology of this church. What I do know is I wonder if there's a place where they could have a meaningful role in the Sunday morning service that doesn't involve them behind a mic. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or they could be a leader of the prayer team. Yeah, there, there could be other aspects. So. I appreciate what you said, Jeff. Like, you know, this sucks that this is like their first meeting and it wasn't just like, so let's talk about the budget. Let's it's interesting because it, it boils it's, down it's to basically this pastor having to do the thing that this elder doesn't want to do, which is do something you don't want to do. Like, as a young pastor, like, I mean, I'm sorry it's your first elder meeting that you're going to have to deal with this, but, I mean, kind of you signed up for this. You know, you signed up to shepherd people and lead people, and you're going to you now have an opportunity to demonstrate for him what it looks like to lovingly do something that you don't necessarily want to do, which is talk to him about something this kind of awkward right off the bat. But also, this church, I'm sure, has been putting their best foot forward throughout the entire interview process, the whole candidate stage, and then he gets there like, hey, you're the guy. Here's this weird weird thing that you have to deal with. Yep. By the way, every third Sunday is bring your puppies for a blessing Sunday. (laughs) Hope you're cool with that. Forgot to mention that in the church uh, yeah, there's a Methodist church down my street that does pet blessings, and uh, it's it always cracks me up. Hey, uh, we're gonna take a quick break for uh, an ad, but uh, I want to also let for you marketing. know for marketing for an outreach. This is an outreach, um, outreach opportunity, <laughs> outreach opportunity. Um, uh, in a couple weeks, September fourth, we're gonna be launching the v- very first new show um, on the Practically Podcast, uh, Practically Pastoring Podcast Network called What is a Campus Pastor. If you go to whatisacampuspastor.com, you can already subscribe, listen to the trailer. There are some really good interviews with folks. There's some going to be some good resources. Um, I'm really excited for it. I hope you can be excited for it. If you know a campus pastor, uh, I would love for you to share that podcast with them. 
Hey, let's dive into question number two again. Wait, was that our from... break? I expected a yeah, jingle or something. Ding ding ding! From question number two. That's the Mentos theme song. Nothing gets to you. Stay and fresh, stay and cool. With Mentos freshness full of life, everybody. Every time I sing or play a a copyrighted song, you jump all over me. You're gonna get it canceled. You're gonna, and now you're doing it. Come on, bro. Well, Andrew sounds nothing like the original. That's true. But I but I am wearing a brand new suit with stripes down the back. I sat on that bench. Now I've got a. You know, oh, get yeah. thick pinstripes over the whole suit. <laughs> nice. Nice. Could, All could right. we find a way to actually play the Mentos theme song as one of let's, our commercials? Think anyone would ever not. notice it? Okay. <laughs> I'll call Mentos for an ad to see if they'll give us a break. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, question number two. We um, This is again from the Facebook group. We have a situation where we enacted church discipline on a leader, the Sunday school teacher and a deacon. This person was given a path of restoration but got upset and left. At some point, he will join another church and ask for a letter of membership. It's a Baptist church. Um, Should we give the letter or refuse it? Either way, we are going to talk to the leadership of the new church and and, at church he asked to go to. Okay. Everyone who's dealt with this, say I. (laughs) I think most of us have dealt with this. I mean, even the other way around, though, right? Like, I don't know if you ever have sat down with a person who's, like, interested in being a part of the church, and pretty quickly, they're, like, dogging the previous church they were at, and they'll just start saying some negative stuff, and they're, like, oh, triggering me, like, maybe I should just send an email to them to say, hey, yep. these, these people left, like, were they members, like, what was going on there? And then you learn either they're running away from church discipline or... They they were like um, a pariah in their community, and now it's your problem. Like, like it's it, it's 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 interesting. And I think the reason why the this church is, is real pro- quick to send you a letter. By all means, yes, take this <laughs> member, please. <laughs> you mean, can have them. The messiest part about this question is that a lot of churches don't talk to other churches. Like yeah. they'll yeah. they'll do what you just said, Andrew. They'll be like, they're at another church. Great. Wash my hands. Like, uh, we don't care anymore. And, you know, it, it sucks because I think there's an aspect to that where churches are not talking to other churches. Like, we don't have relationships. Like, there's very few churches that have a Tim and Andrew relationship where if someone were to leave Lakeview and start attending your church, Andrew, you'll be like, you'll be pretty much in the know very quickly of what's going on. But the reality is, is especially when you cross the nomination paths, you don't, you don't know who you're getting. And some of us are in a bad state where – Another button seat could be another tithe dollar, so we don't want to necessarily pry, and that is a very uncomfortable place to be. Andrew, so what you, do you, guys do? you and Tim well, need to make a pact that if somebody ever tries to leave one of your church for the other church, that the person whose church they're leaving shows up at their membership interview at the new place. How so awesome we, that? Oh I, don't, I don't know about that pact, but I think so many of our people know us enough that by going to one, you've kind of eliminated the other one. So there's there's another church that's fairly like-minded around here that's going through some big turmoil and we will get the same visitor from two or three you know they'll they'll come and see us then they'll go see our friend tommy and then they'll go see you know so they'll they'll make the circuit but very rarely would uh someone jump directly from lakeview to safety harbor or vice versa because anyone that knows me and tim knows that uh we 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 know the dirt already but people jump from safety harbor to lakeview all the time right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's hurtful. Hey, well, 
I can't get into too much specifics because it's, it's a little fresh, and I know we have people listen to the pod, but we went through the exact same situation in our church. I mean, 100%, except um, our pastor, uh, he called the other church, explained the whole situation. That Like, this is what's going on. This is why we're, this is why they're there. That pastor says, oh my goodness, I didn't know. You know, it sometimes it just takes a call until yesterday, right before church, our pastor gets a text from the other pastor says, oh, we decided to go ahead and bring him anyways because of extenuating circumstances. And it's like you, there were no extenuating. You knew exactly what was going on. And I'm going to be honest. I'm just shooting straight with you. I almost wish we wouldn't have called the pastor. It wouldn't have stung as much. You know what I'm saying? Because now it's like, we, what have you just told this couple about? church discipline, you know, and actually some of their friends in the church even went and lovingly told to them. And like, we really love this couple. This is not a couple that we good riddance. This is a couple we really care about. We even went out of our way to try to do some things to help the situation. And it was just like, Nope. And then they go to the other church. We call, we're like, Hey, this is a thing. And then it just comes back. It was like, well, we're, we're moving forward anyways. And it's like, man, that, you know, so sometimes it, it can go both ways is what I'm saying. Like if the pastor decides, He's going to overrule whatever. Then I think if, if we're going to follow this question to its fullest conclusion, if they gone, they gone, you know, like, I mean, you can make a stink out of it. Sure. But I mean, if, if they're already choosing to leave, they're already saying you're not my pastor. I refuse to submit your leadership. So over that, what's it going to do? You know, I will say this is the one good, one good thing about 500 years ago. You know, there was only one church in the community you couldn't run unless you left to another town. And that, that was an advantage of being in a smaller town. It's like you felt church discipline more and you had to like stop and pause and be like, there is a unified mature presence trying to guide me. But now it's like, no, I'm heading somewhere else. So just four easy payments of 49.99. (laughs) I can be forgiven. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I said one, I said one thing, but you know, so the only thing I would to whoever asked the second question, the only thing I would say is, you go to the other leadership. I think that's respectful. I actually think that's honoring that couple because, you know, it's kind of like if you transfer colleges, you got to send your former stuff to your new college, right? They need to know what's going on. They need to know where you're at. It's a way of honoring and loving them. But once they're there, you have to just say, here it is, you know, because it can't be your burden. Because if so, it will rob all the joy out of what good is happening in your ministry currently. You know, sometimes I don't know about y'all, but like I'll have, we'll have all these great things happening. One thing like this question comes through and it just takes my eyes off of what's really going on. So I would just caution you with that, but I would also encourage you. I think you speaking to the pastor is the right thing to do and make sure you do it in love without bitterness. Check yourself first because you do want what's best for these people. They are members of your church. So we should want what's best for them. Dell, do you think it's are you saying you think you should take the initiative and talk to the new church before they ask the question? When you say ask the question, what do you mean? Like are you saying you should reach out to the new church where they're at before that church asks you about it or are you just saying answer their question when they ask? Well, what are the chances that church is going to call and ask you? Why do they leave? You know? And and I do think it Okay, so this is where we were having a conversation about elders with the first question. You know, if, if they're covenant members of my church, I'm charged to oversee them, right? Spiritually, I'm like, I'm, the Lord has commanded. So if, if they're leaving, 
then I feel like the last thing I should do is at least tell the place they're going, not in a negative sense, not in like a, Oh, I mean, please don't, don't back talk, you know, but, but also say, Hey, listen, just want you to know, cause we want our relationship to be over kind of like when Andrew and Tim, if a guy comes from your church to Tim's church, y'all probably at least have a little conversation, you know, um, because it helps you minister to them well. And that's ultimately the reason why I would be calling. It isn't to say, Oh, these people are bad and wretched. It'd be like, Hey, here's, here's why they're leaving our fellowship, but I'm doing it so you can love them well. However, he's calling you to do that for whatever reason he's brought them there. And you know, like, like, like what happened with us, that pastor may be like, eh, well, not our problem, you know, or that pastor may be like, oh, okay, well, we're going to have a conversation, you know, either way, it's good. I've seen this happen in student ministry where students would, you know, do something and then go to the other church across town and that youth pastor, their friend, they're like, why are you here? I know you're at so-and-so's church, you know, make it hard for people to run. I think we should make it hard for people to run. I think right now this is a hypothetical situation, you know, and so someone was under church discipline and they left. And so you're, you're, don't waste any sleep over something that might happen. You know, certainly have policies in place so you don't have to make a decision on the fly. But right now you don't need to be worrying about something that might or might not happen. So when, when someone joins my church, um, we don't, like, we don't have a letter that we send other churches uh, we just had a group of people that are like well into their 70s join our church uh, this past spring, and they were all coming from the same church. And so they said, ooh, and can, should we send have a letter sent? And I was like, uh, okay. That's not really the way that a lot of churches do it. It kind of depends on where you are, what type of church you are. But if you know the, they're in a Southern Baptist church and they're leaving that local Southern Baptist network, maybe they're going to be in a non-denominational church for the next 6, 12, or 10 years or whatever it might be, and they might not ever get to that point. I wouldn't seek out the other church that these people are at and say, just so you know, here's why they're not here anymore, because that's not going to do anything for for anybody. And they obviously have such a low view of membership that they left your church the way that they did anyway. If they had a high view of membership, this is a different issue. But if they had a high view of membership, they wouldn't have left while under church discipline. So there's – there's no win in seeking out this other church and saying, here's, you know, and spilling, spilling the tea. It's not going to do anything besides spread disunity because, again, if people truly mean what they say when they sign their, you know, membership covenant or whatever your church has um, that people sign or what they commit to when they join, if they were taken that seriously, they would have already taken it seriously. But these people aren't going to take it seriously. And then if we have to rake and sift through every new person coming into our membership, then that's going to open a whole other bag of worms. And I, I, I agree. Like I shouldn't necessarily be raking through every new person, but I do think if one of my people leaves, I it's it's if it's a worthwhile opportunity to reach out to the new church. And that's well, not get, even so. Here's, not, here's where I want to push back on you, Dell. How do you know what church they're going to? Well, I'm. Like well, that, I'm that's, st- a, that's a big, you know, that could be a number that's of different fair. ways. Yeah, like if, if you're if you're looking on Facebook or asking people, do you know where they went? Then I think you've it's that's now you've you've crossed into at least um, unwise, if not sinful, territory as a pastor because now you are you are searching out for no 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 no. You got the question. This is a Baptist church, bro. They sure. they, they they cover their tracks, so this is a letter. That's how I'm going to find out. 
Right. Like I'm not, I'm not stalking, you know. And that's and I was will, asking you before yeah, 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 about whether sure. or not you initiated the contact. Well, or no, the other what, that's why I said if if a church asks me for a letter, then I'll that's answer yeah. the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, for sure. But I'm not seeking to spread anything. Because at the at the end of this, it says either way, we are going to talk to the leadership of the new church he asks to go to. So if that person is asking me, hey, I want to leave your church and go to this church, and I want your recommendations. My conversation was going to be that with them, why do you want my wisdom to leave, but you don't want my wisdom, which is coming from the same source, to stay and be part of this congregation since we've given you a path of restoration? That's either stubbornness or rebellion yeah. on their part. And so, 100%. right. So, but like, I, I think if this is where I'm going with it, I see this situation and I just see fertile ground for the, the root of bitterness and of gossip and of disunity to grow in the heart of the the pastor and maybe the elders of the church that's being left. Because if you are like, and all of us struggle with this, when a person leaves your church, especially if you've tried to work out discipline with them, there's a part of us that wants to go get them and not for good reasons. Like we want to ruin the place they're going to if we're mad at them. And I'm just saying be very cautious if you find yourself you know, making rationalizing reasons why I should reach out to the leadership of the new church to protect that church. That's not your church. That's not your role to protect that church. You've been called to your congregation, but they are still your congregants and you are, you are still authority. If if they're, if they are members of your church, they're still your, like, like there's, you're still responsible for them until they're gone until they, until they have removed their name off the roll. You know, like I, I just feel, but it says they left. yeah, that, they've the, left. The whole question that, is, is that they they left. They they were placed under church discipline, and instead of submitting to it, they decided to leave. They are they did are. Did they gone. resign now, their would, church membership? Well, he didn't I, give I, that detail. But. I think that's a formality, but it says they're gone. They whether or not they are on a roll. How many you know? How many rolls do we have that need to be scrubbed right now? Anyway, that's but, true. So so they might still be on a roll, but they're not actively worshiping. They're not under the spiritual authority of that church anymore because they have they have made their choice and they've up and left. So again, it comes down to each individual person's view of church membership, and it comes down to the church's view of church well, membership. Well, but let me reaching ask you this... out, reaching out to the other church, either way. So if you reach out to the other church without being asked, then then you're kind of just being well. What a if what if the reason they kicked this guy out is because he was filming ladies' backsides in the service? Because say if if there is anything involving a safety issue or you know a kid or anything like this. That's a, a a criminal matter is a different thing, right? They but if, well, I mean, but filming the church but, service. I mean, but you can, this, they can but argue if this guy's it's not. A bully or <laughs> yeah, but at this point, we're splitting hairs. I, I, know, I, I, think, I guess what I'm just I, I, really quick. What I'm trying to say is, I think it's nuanced. I think I can't just make one brush and say never reach out to the church, fellas. I think like sometimes it's okay. Sometimes, like Jeff said, man, if I burrow into my heart, I shouldn't because it's they left. They left, you know. But sometimes. I think it does owe it. it. Just just the same as like if a kid gets kicked out of school, then the next school needs to know they were expelled from the last school. That's common courtesy, right? That I don't think that's gossip, especially. But they, but they yeah. weren't kicked out. They were placed under church discipline and left. This is hey, we're going to give you the chance to resign before you quit, or we're going to give you the chance to resign before you get fired. So if if a, someone is withdrawing, that's different than being expelled. And so I unless think, your church membership policy is you will be formally expelled from membership if you do not sit under church discipline, 
And if that's the case, it has to be expressly laid out. But if yeah, hey, and I I'm not like advocating we do this every and time, and I'm, and I'm <laughs> so I'm not, even. Yeah, I'm not advocating we do, but I do think that it is, and also it determines the relationship as well. I mean, if we can fly fifty thousand feet, this is why you have to have relationships with the pastors in your community that have built on trust. Same way, like if someone from Andrew's church goes to Tim's church, he can have that conversation. It's not gossip, man. It's just here's what happened because you're my friend, you know. So it's important. Sorry, Frank. I know you want, to but say because something. it's me and Tim, there might be a little bit of gossip in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, Dell does bring up a good point. I think that it, it it brings a lot of nuance to this conversation. I think where me, Andrew, and Jeff are probably and probably Tim are in the same boat. Where Dell is in this unique kind of Baptist kind of view of membership, where if someone is under church discipline and they like run away, like they, they say, I'm going to leave the church the the I don't think the impulse is like, okay, start deleting them from PCO. Right? Like I think their impulse is probably like, okay, they're in rebellion right now. It, they haven't completely revoked their membership. They're just being disobedient to their church discipline. And therefore Dell has some sort of, or, or maybe his church has still feel some sort of responsibility over that wayward member, um, then when the next church calls in, he feels that the responsibility of like speaking into it, especially if it's a Baptist church, where I think that like, and, and this is where, where like I'm trying to evaluate my own church's view, view of membership because there's been more church discipline cases that we've been trying to enact and have conversations about, where it's like, what do you do with that person who was a member who, and if we're honest, it never really get to full church discipline. You just you just tell the person we don't like this behavior, and then they run away, right? Yeah. So like so so what do you do with that membership? Where right now, this is a rare, very real thing. When we were trying to figure out based on our bylaws how many people we need right. to vote for the new pastor, we had to look at our membership list, like you just said, Jeff, to clean it up because how many names are on there that aren't real members anymore because they disappeared. And so we, for the, about a month and a half, had to go back and reach out to people and say, hey, where have you been? <laughs> like, you, you know, you're, you're, you're a member. You either disappeared during COVID. You disappeared when the last of your pastor left. Like, where you are in all this and having those clarifying conversations. And then we learn, oh, they're already, they already applied to membership and are members of a different church because it's a different denomination and whatever. And we never, and we have in our bylaws, if you want to rescind your membership, there has to be a former letter. Now we're like, we'll take an email. We'll just take something, right? Because like, this well, is so it's hard to get. It's pretty easy to, to amend bylaws to say, to have some kind of, um, you know, lack of contact and membership is, is, yeah. you know, resigned. Like if we don't hear from you for six months or three months, we are gonna we'll we'll reach out to contact you and if we don't hear back then we're gonna consider that, you know, a resignation of membership. I mean it's easy to do that in some bylaws. And yeah. sometimes sometimes they come back. You know, like can we can we just do that? Like because some I mean, I believe in the grace of the Lord, you know, bringing unity. Sometimes they go out and they experience life and they're like, Man, I shouldn't have just rolled like that. And and that's why it's important that that we always keep in the back of the mind that we help them leave well. You know, and, and for some of them, it's a conversation. Some of them, it's a text six months later. Hey, I know you've been gone six months. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I hope things are going well. Just to let them know that the air is clear and we love them. But also, I do think if they leave, you know, take them off your membership. So yeah. that way, when they come back, they have to actually reapply to membership. 
That's important because if they just go join another church, have two dual memberships, first of all, it's not helpful for our numbers. But second of all, having them to come back and, and go through the membership process again, that's a form of its own accountability. This is good. Um, hopefully this is helpful for the person listening. Uh, I, I think the interesting dynamic of trying to understand like true Southern Baptist, uh, I'm assuming Southern Baptist, just as well, Baptist. Just as Baptist, so. I know. Living up in, living up in the it's Midwest, the I've irony that to me of talking about Baptist. The irony to me of talking about like people leaving one church and going to another church in context not being a Baptist, but in a in a non-actual denomination denomination that doesn't actually have ecclesiastical authority is kind of ironically comical to me. You know what I mean? Like in the Alliance, if you go from one Alliance church to another, like we are one denomination and we do have people that oversee the churches above in the ecclesiastical order above the pastor. Even we have district superintendents and stuff, but in a Baptist context, that's not true. So it's just kind of ironic. And does it, does it make, and I, this is my oversight. I mean, how much weight do you put on the fact they were a Sunday school teacher and a deacon? So wherever they go, you know, yeah. they're going to they're gonna want that same kind of... I, I would just say, like, if the other church asks you, answer specific questions specifically and honestly. Fair. But don't go All looking for... All I can think for... of is Michael Scott being afraid that his improv credits aren't going to transfer to Colorado. <laughs> That's what I think of when I think of, you know, a deacon and Sunday school teacher having his letter transferred to a, another church. Or, like, when you were talking about, Dell, uh, like, you know, when you go to one college to another, you want your credits to transfer... It, look, yeah. if you're gonna if you're fleeing under church discipline, you probably shouldn't become a deacon and a Sunday school teacher in Amen. the new church you're going to. Maybe you should be discipled for a season, and so just go slip in under the radar. Don't let people know how dysfunctional and po- and possibly abusive you were in your last church. Just uh, go and heal and learn for a little bit. Come on now. Yeah, if somebody also, shows up at like, your church and abuse. says, "I want I'm to ready be to a teach Sunday, Sunday school." And be a deacon, and I have been before. That's that's like a yellow flag for me. And that is when I might ask, well, what church did you come from? And I might ask the question. And if I was asked that question, hey, this person wants to be a member and a Sunday school teacher and a deacon, uh, and I was the church that they left, I would say, Dell, in uh, totally agreement with you, I would say, well, this person left under church discipline. And then when they ask me, well, what happened, then I can – all I'm doing is answering questions. I am not going out there to slander this person. I'm just answering questions. And I, I just think you have to trust that other churches have leaders who are as good as or better than you at leading their church so that they're going to ask the questions that need to be asked. This is good. Uh, we are going to wrap this show up. Again, go to whatisthecampuspastor.com to, to subscribe to that Campus Pastor podcast. Uh, please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so. Share this with a friend and uh, let other, other pastors know about this podcast. And so that way, as this network grows, we can all narc on all our members that are in church yeah. discipline. And we can, keep up, we can keep this church pure and clean, all right, like the Lord intended it to be. <laughs> with that being said, I'm Frank Gill. I'm Jeff Simpson. I'm Delmar Pete. I'm Andrew Larson. And this is Practically Pastoring. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group, where we get to share ideas and make each other better.